Hello and welcome to the next edition or newest edition of Raiders Review with Blake and the Pork. I'm the Pork. I'm Blake. And we are the third most popular Raiders podcast on the interweb and coming to you... You just said interweb. Uh, internet. You swore, you swore you'd never say interweb. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> coming to you from the filthiest storeroom hidden somewhere in the bowels of Civic, of which the location of which we will never reveal the location of, will we, Blake? No, just be, maybe follow the flies. There is a fly in here <laughs> and it is driving Blake to distraction. It's a great big fat blowfly and it's probably been feasting on the rats that hang around in the corridors it's, of this uh, filthy, filthy storeroom. It's uh, Walter White-esque, this scene. It's it's a big blowy yes. people. When you see this particular one, it's got a lot of maggots in that abdomen. I, I suspect. But um, as you'd suspect by this uh, intro, we are brought to you with the extremely dubious support of the greenhouse, the number one Raiders fan forum on the internet. Get on it, get arguing. It is fantastic. Um, and we should start off by saying we went to rugby league the musical. Yes, we did on Saturday night. It was very good. It Shout was out very to good. Dennis Cunahan. Yeah. Uh, Massive Raiders fan and supporter of the show, provider of our uh, theme music, superb theme music, and he's he's threatening to provide us with some more music once the Rugby League the Musical tour is completed. That's right, and and it was magnificent. There was highlights in there, but uh, I mean, you really can't go past the Shiten song, uh, the combination of the Sharks and the Titans. Yeah, um, I love the view with Dugan. Is, is timeless. Yeah, I love to have a beer with Dugan. It was very, yeah. very funny. But I think the one that got the best audience reaction, and rightly so, was uh, the song about Todd Carney uh, to the tune of um, uh, Meatloaf. Meatloaf, Hot Summer Night. What's no, it called? T- t- took t- the t- words t- right t- out of my mouth with, he took a whiz right into his mouth. <laughs> that was hilarious. His stream was proud and true. It was freaking hilarious. It was really, really Speaking good. Speaking of Todd Carney, did you see his, his tell-all... Mm, um, book's it, about, to, about to come out in a couple of weeks. It is. There'll be a lot. Who, who's ghostwritten that one? Uh, the Mole. The Mole is ghostwritten? Yeah, Tony yeah. Adams. That's The Mole, isn't it? Tony yeah, Adams. Yeah, yeah. yeah, The Mole's ghostwritten it. So. That'll be a good book. Believe it or not, Todd didn't write it himself. No, I know. I know. I, look, I would be. I'm like. I, I want to know. I'm going to read it. I'm going to buy a copy. Oh, totally. I'll, I'll be in there to buy it too. And, and let's not forget, you know. Hopefully, there'll be some sort of like, you know, maybe an in store signing at Dimmick's oh. in, in City or Balconan or... I suspect it should be at the Duxton, shouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but look, let's not forget that Todd Carney is still great mates with our captain, Jared Croker, so there's got to be a lot of good things nah, about look, our Toddy. Todd's not all bad, man. No, Todd's not all bad. He's clearly one of those guys that alcohol didn't agree with him. If you ever encountered him when he wasn't drinking, he was fine. He was a nice guy, but he have a couple of beers and he Dr. just... Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Yeah, it was, it was, he just shouldn't drink. And I don't think he ever accepted that. I don't think he ever realised that. Oh, any, no, he any... has. So I've had conversations with him where he knows exactly that's the problem. But he's never he's never stopped the... Uh... Well, no. he, apparently, he's, he did or was doing Dry July. Really? So good on him. Craig, I'm not doing Dry July. I've only just really discovered red wine and the wonders of it. And there's no way I'm wasting a month. I've only got so much time left on this earth. For goodness sake, I'm not doing that. But Rugby League, the musical was great. And we should give a shout out to our, the winner of our competition. Gangrenous. Gangrenous from the uh, Raiders Fan Forum. Yes, based in Sydney, so he didn't go based to... Up in the Shire. Uh, He'll be going to the Shire show, which yeah. is great. Um, and he came up with uh, a fantastic idea about to Rupert Hines' escape, escape song. The Pina Colada the song. The Pina Colada song. If um, you like Pineapple Cruises. Yeah. And don't like to train. <laughs> so he actually. If I you're not he, into Furners, if yeah, you don't have a brain. <laughs> yeah, I think he actually had both of our favourite suggestions because he had dropped the final as well. Yeah, so. dropped the final. So it's definitely yeah. a worthy winner. To the tune of Jane Armour Trading's Drop the Pilot, obviously. Yeah. But yeah, definitely also very good. The, the, uh, the, the third one that really came up that we loved was, and I've forgotten who came up with the suggestion, but it was uh, Dane to the tune of Fame yeah. of, by Aaron Cara, which is pretty good, you know. <laughs> Remember my name, Dane. <laughs> 
I'm going to do something. I'm going to score a try. Uh, look, loved it. It was a fantastic thing to do. Really loved everyone's input. Very funny. And Dennis is going to make a great song uh, for that, which we will play for you as soon as he comes out with it. But let's talk about football. The Panthers win, Blake. The Panthers win. Um, it was it was we said in our previous episode, which was just a week ago, so we're mm-hmm. back so soon with the surprise episode. The surprise episode because yeah. we had our tails up. Yep. Um, it's much easier to get motivated to do an episode really after is. a great win. No question. <laughs> than it is after some of the games last year. Yeah, um, but no, it was, you know, we said it was the most important game mm. in, in many years. And pff, what a performance. It really was. Uh, especially after the first 10 minutes where we literally didn't have the ball. We had 9% possession. Yeah, in the absolutely. First absolutely under the pump. The, tight, uh, the, tight, the Panthers threw everything at us. Yeah. And, you know, they were well and truly up for that game. They were. And you know, it was a it was a great crowd. Well, it was it was, as vital for them as it yeah. was for us, probably more vital. Yeah, Sunday afternoon football. Place most, was full. Yeah, and the, mooing, a bang for blood. But I like that. I did too. I, I like People that. have been having a go at the Panthers crowd. Look, I know. I've been to the Panthers stadium many, many times before, and there are ugly sections in it. But I've never felt unsafe there. I've always felt welcome there. It's a great place to go and watch football. I like the crowd there. One of my best ever times at a football game uh, was at Panthers Stadium. It was the um, was the twenty twelve. Was it 2010 or 2010? 2010. 2010 semi-final. Yeah. Yeah, we basically went... And that wasn't... This game was... That game, that semi-final was pretty sparsely populated with Panthers fans, strangely enough. But um, one end was just full of Raiders fans. And it was like... When they scored a try, it was like a mosh pit. It was the, it was the best fun. If you've never been to a, to an away game, yeah. you've got to go to one at a ground like that. Maybe not so much an ANZ type of fixture, but, yeah, yeah. but at when a suburban hill, ground, a yeah, grass, yeah. with a bunch of other Raiders fans, it's a really good time. And that was, of course, the time that all the fans were leading up against the fence, and the fence actually collapsed which is awesome. into the field. <laughs> yeah, I've got photos of that somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone's at those events. It's like how many people were at the Nirvana concert in 1992 and at the at the refectory. Um, you know, at the time, I think, what, they have 5,000 people were actually there? And uh, now, if you ask people, there was about 25. Well, I mean, the, the ANU only held 1,500 or something oh, well, like that. That's yeah. what was in there. But No, well, there was another three or 4,000 outside. Yeah, and you want to hear the saddest tale of that particular night? A um, friend got me a ticket, and I said, Nirvana, who are they? <laughs> and I didn't go. So, yeah, and, and once still, more and making the big calls right and, back in the and 90s. Ever si- and ever since then, you've still tried to convince yourself that Pearl Jam are a better band than Nirvana. Pearl Jam Clearly, they're not. Pearl Jam 10 is a better <laughs> album than Nirvana, never mind. Yeah, that's not saying Nirvana Nevermind's a bad album, it's just Pearl Jam 10 is a better album. That's the thing. And I, I quite frankly, Pearl Jam's a better band than no. Nirvana. No. There's clearly. two types of people in this world, Tim. Pearl Jam fans and Nirvana fans. And I'm both. I'm a different. fan of both of them. I'm just saying Pearl Jam is a better band than Nirvana. It just is. Anyway, we're not here to talk about that sort of stuff where you're clearly wrong. And it's because Blake was there that night. I wasn't. No, I actually saw them overseas. I was in Europe at the time. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, he saw them overseas, people. Yep. Blake's quite the aficionado. But it was a great match against the Panthers. After that tough start, and then when we finally got the ball and we scored straight away, you just had a feeling, yeah, today is going to be our day. You just felt it, didn't you? It's the making of a side, though, that sort of adversity. And, yeah. and you know, just, just the Panthers, like I said, they threw everything. The crowd was up for it. But that defence, that defence on solid. the line was ridiculously good. And the two times when they did it, that one with the Brian Toes, try yeah. was one of them and that was a good try they played that well and they, they found a gap on the outside but the other one where they scored just towards the end the one. yeah, where they finally crashed over yeah. that was on the sixth set on our line yeah. and full set not just one two you know like one two penalty whatever but six full set on our line and they finally broke they finally broke through and I just thought you know that, that was just such a brilliant 
piece of defence in there. They just absolutely dug in and didn't give anything away. But there was so many great players. This is the thing. Now, um, we've got a, a segment coming up that uh, will lord one particular player. But when you think about in that match, you know, no one had an ordinary match. Everyone was great in defence. Everyone was great in defence, and, and that, that contributed to it brilliantly. But Jack Whiten did well. Jared Croker did well. Jordan Rapinen did well. Elliot Whitehead was brilliant. Oh, brilliant. Parley was great. Hodgson stood head and yeah. shoulders. But Caesar's still been good as well. Caesar really raised up for that too. And look, no one played badly. Like, uh, Simonson was good. You know, that, the one try where Jimmy Maloney did that fantastic chip and chase, Fisher-Harris did that f- fantastic first-up flick, um, and it went through to Leota, who scored. What was really noticeable about that on one side of them was Oldfield, on the other side was Simonson. They were there. They were still trying right at yeah. the last death to stop that try, in spite of the fact that you weren't going to stop most of the other from there. You just weren't. But they still were there and trying, and that was that was bloody brilliant. All the tries the Panthers got either came at the back of massive possession or were really freaking good tries. Yeah, there was none of this this shite that we've let in in previous years. These soft things where no. you, you had Joey and Blake Austin looking at each other, going, "Well, whose fault was that?" You know, those I think don't that one of the best things about this year is we don't just see those tries that we used to always get scared of, scored against is where we'd clearly got the numbers wrong. Yeah. Or got dragged too many too many slow players in the middle, dragged in outside defenders, and then, yeah. you know, yeah. we'd have wingers strolling over untouched. Yeah. Seemed to happen all the time. Well, that hasn't happened once this year. doesn't happen at all this year. And there were so many great players. So for then, for John Bateman to clearly be, with all those great performances, to clearly be the best player on the park means his efforts that were... Uh, efforts were magnificent which is why we're going to open up this week with one of our favorite segments which is why we love john bateman bateman and why do we love him he's tough yeah. is how tough is he unbelievable he's just a competitor and he's just he's not but he has a bit of magic in him as well mm, he so does. every time he goes to do something you know he can make something out of nothing he does. i mean the best example this year of something out of nothing was the try set up against the storm mm. where he skipped across the field and you know threw a brilliant pass but like one of the tries in the second half he had a great offload mm. he's just always looking for something i think his biggest player the whole game there were many but was um the strip at the back end of the game the one-on-one steal because that's the panthers just scored mm. and they really had their tails up and he stole the ball from them and was on the first or second tackle yep. and you could see it pretty oh, much it was first tackle and yeah. it was Tamo had just gone yeah. over he runs up and Bateman went ball only ball knew that Tamo was going to be thinking about the impact rather than ball security ball only ball took it he comes up looking stupid we roll the ball in we get the the drop out and then from the short yeah, drop out they t- he scores <laughs> and and he doesn't just sort of score he scores emphatically and it's just like he was going to celebrate and Michael Oldfield came over and clobbered him did you see I that? Know. <laughs> but he wore it because he's so damn tough. He is such a competitor, you know. But I think my favourite moment was, um, and it was just not too long before that, when they were absolutely smashing on our line, the Panthers, when, you know, and they still could have come back at that stage where all of a sudden, again, Tamo had that one run where all of a sudden it's just him and the line and one player in front of him. And you think, oh, oh my goodness. And the boot laces. No, no, no. He smashed him. Oh, right. He didn't just tackle him. He put him down on his ass. And I'm just thinking, you've just given up 25 kilos to James Tarmo. And you didn't just tackle him. You put him down and hurt him. And it was just, it's that sort of stuff where you just think to yourself, there's no quarter asked. And, and you go back to your Shakespeare and it's the Henry V, you know, once more into the breach or fill the gap with our English dead. Well, I tell you what, it's not going to be English dead. It's going to be Panther dead because he was putting them down. I love John Bateman. I just do. I don't bat that way, but if I did, he would be in all sorts of trouble. Your views? 
<laughs> You've left me speechless there, Tim. No, I know you did. But we, we love you, John Bateman. We do. And we know you're out there listening to us. And, and you're just wonderful. And you make our day. Look, um, we, we're going away to the Warriors. They're already over there. They left on first thing on Monday morning. And they've been over there the yeah, whole time. Yeah, it was time. the right thing to do, obviously, because it's such a short turnaround. But it's tough. It's a, it's a tough ask. It's literally, literally the second shortest possible turnaround you can have in rugby league. The only shorter one you can have is playing the late Sunday game and then playing on Thursday night. It is the yeah. only shot. And they which don't, they don't, do, they they don't do. do. So this is actually the shortest yeah. turnaround you can have, which is finishing at 6.10 on a 6 o'clock on a Sunday night and then playing again at 6 o'clock on the Friday night. So you, also to be like away, away like that as yeah, well. Yeah, and to travel. You think, that, you think that if you're going to have a short turnaround, we'll let... Organisers, so at least the players have got two home games or yeah, yeah. Uh, and, two games in thing. Sydney or whatever. The people are doing the scheduling for the NRL could not give a rat's ass. They've known, they've had it pointed out to them. And they'll say, oh, it's very difficult doing a schedule. It's like, oh, you poor dears. How about we hire people who actually can do those sort of algorithms to work out so people, so sides don't get unfairly advantaged to make an even, but they don't care about that. What they actually care about is their telecasting spots and having the sides they want in the spots. And yeah. they want New Zealand Warriors at 6 o'clock on Friday because, of course, it's it 8 o'clock yeah, it works. in New Zealand and it's their prime time. So the Warriors are happier for it. But if you're going to do that, don't make make the side that played on Sunday, play them. At worst, you have to make it on Saturday. Yeah. You know, North Queensland Cowboys, because they've always got to travel, rarely ever leave the Saturday time slot because um, that means they're very unlikely to ever have, you know, a short turnaround with travel as well. But yet the Raiders can have two five-day turnarounds, one coming back from Gold Coast to the Storm this year and now coming back, you know, come, leaving our home ground and then, sorry, leaving Penrith and then going to Auckland, and that's just ridiculous. And it's just a complete failure on the part of the NRL. And it's not just a failure on their part, it's ambivalence on their part. So they're aware of it, and they don't give a rat's ass about it. So it's a pretty bad thing <clears throat> to have in that. But if we get these two points against the Warriors, if we get them, we're on 28 points. And 28 points is in the finals this year. You know, you do, if you've all got out your ladder predictor, which I suggest you do because it's great fun. Yeah, but I think we're aiming for more than just... I think uh, we are too. But like I said last time, if we're in the finals, if that's locked in, all of a sudden you can start thinking about how you play. Yeah. Anything less than top four um, at this point would be disappointing. And look, we yep. really needed to win against the Panthers because yep. after watching Souths and Manly get two points at the last minute... Oh. oh, and the Eels. Yeah. That was just shocking. All those, all those results. Yeah, uh, did not go our no. way. Um, having gone all our way for the previous couple of weeks. Yeah, the previous they, weeks. Yeah, they have. Yeah, that Parramatta loss is still going to cost us. It's still going to cost us. We have those two points there. The, the, you know, the top four is almost set with us in it. But um, look, talking about those things, about things that annoy me, um, we can also. Oh, yeah. But going back to the Warriors game, it is a must-win because if we get these points, it's twenty-eight. Um, but they've also got to win it. Because they're still a vague chance of making the finals. Um, yeah, that's it. Not a good chance. I oh, know, but they're still there. They are still there. So at present, it's like Mary McGregor. We've got to win six out of eight. <laughs> well, they've got, they got to win six, six from six, six now. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think six from six gets them to twenty-six points at this stage, which means is the bare minimum you can have. Well, now they're saying that that might be enough. There've been some revised estimates that it's and it, it used to always be, be thirty, but that, but that will be was... the no, it's twenty-eight. But no, the bare minimum will be twenty. Ten years ago, it was thirty. And now, in recent times, it's been brought down to 28. Yeah. And now they're saying it could be even be 26. Yeah, I think it will be 26 this year. Warriors are on 17 points at this present stage with six matches to play. So that would take them to 29, and that would guarantee you if they got all of those matches. But they've got a bit of a run in there. They're running at 151 
to one um, for winning the grand final. I think that's probably a bit generous. But they've got us, then they've got the Seagulls at home, then they go away to the Roosters, then they go away to the Sharks, then they come home to the South Sydney Rabbitohs, and then they go away to us. So I think the chance of them making the finals are sweet FA. Yeah. I think, I mean, really, they've got to win pretty much five out of those six to have a chance of making it, and I see them at best winning three of those. But that will start with this weekend where they'll still have their tails up. The issue with them is they've got a few holes in their side, which we know about. And this is one of the problems that the Raiders have always had, is we've always had, you know, like, players in our sides where you look at them and you say to yourself, oh, you know, that's a little bit, um, that's a bit bodgy. But they've got Blake Ashford in the centres. Yeah, I thought we'd seen the last of him. I think we said the last of him too. He just misses tackles. Yeah, because they sort of tried to reinvent him as a as a back rower. Or... Yeah. He's been around forever, but yeah, he's... And we've got he's... Jared Beal on one wing, who's okay, but he's no world beater. Cody Nicarima is back for this game, though. Yeah, he's back, and he's he's a good player, and he's caused us trouble in the past. When we played Brisbane earlier this season, when he was playing with them, he was the player that really tested us. Isaac Leake's out, though. Yeah, he got suspended, and we'll get to that particular issue. Lisa Armour, great player. Yeah. Uh, Ignatius Parsi can be, but he can also be dreadful at the same time. Papa Lee um, is good, but, you know, junior. Um, Adam Blair can be anything and can be every... He's a bit of an... Mostly a, a prick. Yeah. Look, <laughs> he, he's a bit of a Jamie Ainscalper player in the fact that he can win you the game and lose you the game, and it can be oh, the he's, same game. He's, he's, he's an ultimate grub. He's such a grub. Yeah, but that won't help him. Uh, just Tavanga is, real, Tavanga is really a, a hooker, and what he's doing at that um, lock, I do not know. And then you start digging onto their, their bench. You've got Lachlan Burr, Lissone, Lissone's is good. Bunty Afoa, whose hair at very least is good. And Harris David is good, but you, you'll notice they don't have um, Tohu Harris there. Yeah. So, no, um, they have got, they've got quite a few players out, haven't they? They do. So they're, they're going to be challenged, but we've got a five-day turnaround, which brings it right back. But... Um, Look, Joe Tarpanay's probably got an extra gear to go up in this match. Um, I'd like to see it. See, I would too. Sia Soliola's been playing fantastic football. Josh Papali is... Well, it's a good thing about having a lot of sort of New Zealand um, yeah. origin players in our team, mm. which was always the way with Ruben Wicky, whatever else. They, yeah, yeah. they always look to really do well. Hang on, hang on. New Zealander, Josh Papali's a Queenslander. Well... <laughs> Let me make something perfectly clear to you. Josh Papali is a Queenslander. He has some. He has some. He has some Queensland relatives. He has some. some, some he's, the, he's from the Queensland <laughs> protection of um, Auckland South, I believe. But you know, he's from. He's from Queensland. Uh, they they always have a lot of relatives in the crowd yeah. at games in Auckland. I mean, no one's going to be out more to impress than CNK as well. He yeah, will be so excited for this game. But no one's going to be more out to step on his neck than RTS. And RTS is a superb player. Oh, Any way you look at him. He, and what's more, he's an awesome dude. You know, you're right. I always do get starstruck. You know, I uh, always am a bit of a suck. But RTS was lovely. It's 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 interesting when you look at the two teams list side by side. You actually have the direct matchup between Blake Ashford and Michael Oldfield. Yep. It's like Battle of the Journeyman. Yeah. You give the points to Oldfield? Look, I thought Oldfield was pretty good last yeah. week. And did you notice him and Rapana, uh, Rapana swapped at one stage? Right. Oldfield was outside him on the wing and Rapana was in the centre spot. Mix it up. They mixed it up and it worked and they did it really well. But do you remember when we had Ferguson, um, uh, Shandor and um, Dugues and they used to... They used to flip around, you yeah. know, and they'd all take turns. Well, they had, they had, they had a, you know, they had a special bond. They did have a special bond. <laughs> they did have a special, but that actually worked quite well. They moved it around, and they yeah. were able to. What I saw with those two moving around was Rappiner actually looked good in the centres, and I've been thinking oh, about I that think for a while. He, I, you know, I don't think there's ever been any doubt that he could have played centre. 
could be a sentiment. Well, and I think, and there there's good noises coming out about Rappen resigning now. Yeah, there are definitely no, good, good noises. Oh, it probably does hinge on um, Aiden Caesar moving on, but we I we assume that that's a fait accompli, one way or another. And you know, his good form. Look, Sam Williams, I think, would be prepared to sit at the Raiders and be on the bench and be in the Mounties. Um, because Sam Williams is a Canberra junior and is happy, like he's good at this club and they love him at this club and he's respected for that. And, and while I don't think he wants to settle for it, I think he's okay with that. He's Aiden, gone away and looking for other opportunities. It hasn't really worked out yeah. that great anyway. Well, so. Aiden Caesar's a first class. Yeah, Aiden Caesar's a first grade halfback. If you look, and if you look at a team like, there's plenty of teams in the NRL. I mean, it's talking of him going to Super League, but Bulldogs, which we've talked about yeah. before. Titans, you know, the Shitans. Well, that to either of his two former clubs are having back, and then there's also talk of Knights as well. Now, and here is a is another equation that a lot of people have completely dismissed. Aiden Caesar's just started to come in some really good form. His defence has gone out of this world, and he's really starting to find some touch. He's running the ball a lot more, yeah. and his kicking has been pretty damn good. What if George Williams comes over here and has to sit on the bench? Because yeah. of right now, and you know what? You know who's really open to that option more than anyone else is Ricky Stewart. Ricky Stewart would love Aiden Caesar to cause that problem. He would love it. He would love Aiden Caesar to be in top form and to I be just, the first I grade. would be surprised though if you could if you could fit them all into the salary cap jigsaw puzzle. But what and, you said, and that's what it comes down to Rapina. But if Caesar or if Rapina's not settled and Caesar's suddenly, you know, really steps up into that role and feels it like we've all always hoped he really would and has showed great glimpses of doing so, that George Williams is no fate complete to play seven. And that's what a lot of people are thinking, that, you know, like Caesar might as well go for that reason. And look, he might want to go and he might want to pursue other options rather than get in that fight. But he's a competitor. I reckon he's going to fight for it. I reckon he's got a point to prove. And he's got the rest of this season to prove it. You know, he's got the yeah. rest of this look, season Look, as long as he plays it. well for the rest of the year, and we'll see what happens after that. But he's, I'm a big it's, fan it's, of him proving it. It's great, to see, it's great to see the form he's in. Something that's not in great form, and I just quickly want to talk about, mm-hmm. is um, our captain's goal kicking was a bit disappointing against the Panthers in that we've come to expect him to nail, you know, mm. the majority of those sideline ones, yep. if not all of them. Yeah. And the game ended up going down to the wire and being closer than, than it than it needed to. Yeah. Um, so just a little bit concerned about where his, his goal kicking form is at because obviously when it comes around the finals or just around the corner and, you know, those, those sort of final matches can very definitely be decided. That's true. By, That's- by a goal. Or two. That's absolutely true. He had a lot of tackling to do in that match. He, I know for a centre it sounds like not very many, but he made 11 tackles in that match. Um, he did actually make a, a, a tackle break within that match, um, but he was forced. He, he had a lot of effort. He was tired, is my point. He was quite a tired lad, and I think most of what we saw, and none of them were bad hits, or they were just they didn't miss by much. They just missed. Mm. Um, I wouldn't be pulling the rug out from under his feet at this present stage. He'll know if he wants to hand it over, but he doesn't. We do have a very good goal kicker waiting in the wings as well. And I've seen him hand over the tee to him once or twice, um, usually through injury, not through anything like that. But we've also seen Croak and Nail kicks in clutch matches where they were the reason we won the Sharks this year. His his perfect goal kicking was what got us home. And that's part of what I'm saying is we're just used to such a high standard. I mean, you look Mm. at some clubs and, you know, the Tigers, for example have struggled with kicking goals all year and Cronulla as well have been scoring more um, tries than their opponents on several occasions of the last game. So yeah, yeah. we just expect him to be nailing, you know, 
at the high 80s and obviously it'd be great to see him get back to, to where where we know he can be very soon yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally agree with that. Absolutely. But look, no one would be harder on that than him. He'll be yeah, I'm more, sure he's working no, He doesn't sure need to be reminded hard. of it. No one needs to. I'm sure to. he's working hard. Hey, yeah, I'm sure he is too. But um, look, there there have been uh, things that um, have, have annoyed me somewhat, Blake. In fact, you could say they've ground my gears. You know what really grinds my gears? And do you know what grinds my gears, Blake? Tell me. There's a number of things that grind my gears. One, the panther whinging, okay? So... It wasn't just the, the, the spectators booing their guts out. It was Jimmy Baloney and then uh, James Tarmo and then apparently in the tunnel, Ivan Cleary, having a go at the refs about letting the Raiders lay all over their players I mean, in I'm, the attacking 20. I'm, I'm biased, but I didn't see that we were doing any more or less laying in the ruck than they were. It was made very clear to us when we played the Rabbitohs that lying all over the player in the 20 metres was perfectly fine because that's what... Sam Burgess and his brother had done in that and they'd given away eight penalties in 17 minutes and they came out and said, oh, maybe you should give them away more sin bins, but they never did. So it was made very clear to anybody who was paying attention. I didn't swear there, although I wanted to. Um, anybody who was paying attention that the referees don't care if you're killing the ball by laying on the, the tackle player in the defensive 20 in order to hold your line. They don't care one little bit. They're going to allow it. The rules of the game were laid out, made clear to everyone through inaction. If the Panthers aren't paying attention to that, that's their own dumb fault. Do I want to see quicker play the balls in general? Yes. Do I want to see those? Absolutely, I've called for them. But the refs clearly aren't going to do them. And they've made that very clear through inaction. So if the, if the Panthers want to wins their guts out about it, they've got no one to blame but themselves because of the fact that's the rules of the game and how the game is enforced, a la Graham Annesley has set those down. He wants less penalties. He wants less sin bins. That's what he's got. And that means players are going to kill the ball. If you want to whinge about it, go tell someone who cares. Go scream into the void. But we don't care about you whinging. Another thing. Let's go back to the officiating now. Kotrick versus Trebojevic. Um, how on earth does Kotrick get sent off the field and then get suspended for three weeks where Trebojevic doesn't get sent for the field and doesn't get suspended? Yeah, different gradings. Um, and, and how the hell is that possible? But here's the other thing. Not getting sent off is the first one you have to look at. Do you know well, that they, the, the do you only know... reason Nick Kotrick got sent off was because there'd been, you know, the NRL is, is very reactive and, and political and there was a lot of voices screaming for someone to be sent off, so they did. I don't think they're reactive or political. I think they're pathetic and completely inconsistent. If they were reactive and political, they would be doing things in the long term, but they don't do them at all. They talk a big game. They actually don't care what we're saying. They're not bothered with us at all. If you are not a multimillionaire or a billionaire or representing a company that's owned by those people, they don't care what you have to say. And they've made that perfectly clear by keeping on for the last five or six years having these rolling blunders on the field, in the bunker, uh, bad scheduling, all sorts of things. They've made it very clear they don't care what we think. But the issue with that one was, and that's what made stand out like the balls on a dog, is do you know the video referee for the Kotrick send-off, who basically made sure that Ash Klein knew that it was groovy to send him off, is the same person who basically didn't do the same thing to get Jake Trebojevic sent off. Jared Maxwell was the video referee in both instances. He's the video referee in both... Now, you can also say the match review committee could have been the same people. We don't know. They don't tell us who the match review committee is anymore. You can't find out who they are because when they did, people called their integrity into question, rightly so, because the match review committee... Um, I, I suspect it's a chicken 
like at Homer, you know, like <laughs> pecking on a button. Um, it's either that or it's, it's like literally someone who gets drunk and says, how can I piss people off this week? Um, but anyway, Kotrick getting sent off and suspended and Trebojevic not getting sent off and not getting suspended grinds my gears because it's inconsistent. But the last thing I want to talk about, and I've already talked about, what really grinds my gears is these five-day turnarounds. You... Not you're not incompetent, boobs at the NRL HQ in having constant five day turnarounds with travel, which we know we're certain of completely, completely harms the chances of the play, the team doing that. Means they're seventy five percent more likely to move, lose the match. It's ambivalence. It's apathy. You don't care. It doesn't bother you in the slightest. You couldn't give a rat's ass about the players' welfare or about the club or any thought of fairness. You just don't give a crap. And that makes you a piece of festering shite. And that grinds my gears, Blake. That really grinds my gears. Anyway, moving on to some happy news. Elliot Whitehead uh, went up for the judiciary on Tuesday evening and um, challenged his code, sanction. Code of conduct, yeah. Sanction. Violation. Yeah. That That was so innocuous that you missed it in the game. Yeah, yeah. And then they pulled that one out. You, you find 10 things similar in every game. Oh, yeah. How they pulled that one out and I, said, this is... Did you see the, 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 the pictures of Luai running it, Jordan yeah. Luai running in and giving him a forearm jolt to the throat? To Bateman, yeah. Did you see that? who's looking directly at that incident? Ashley Klein is literally looking directly at it as it happens. Yeah, and there was no action there. No but action. Yeah, the, I'm, I'm just glad that the Raiders had the sense to challenge the Whitehead one because they took it to the... Because, of course, the judiciary is very different from the match review Yeah, committee. yeah absolutely. And it's, it's made up of ex-players. And, so and we have, know who's on the judiciary. Yeah. Well, we don't know who's on the match review committee. They don't let you know. Yeah. Because when they did do something stupid, a la the Ennis not getting done for a shoulder charge and Jack White and getting done for a shoulder charge, um, we could say to Michael Butner, you're a peanut. You're a total peanut, you joke. Um, but now they don't even tell you, so you yeah. can't question who it is. It's just the MRC. Yeah. But anyway, it was, it's good that he got off because the fine, it, 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 if he hadn't fought it, he would have only got a fine. But there obviously would have been carryover points um, along with that charge. And the last thing we needed would be for him to get another sort of misdemeanor, low-level yeah. charge. And then suddenly he's out for a week or two. So, yeah, good news that uh, we fought it. And, and uh, he represented himself, apparently. Well, there you go. I think it was one of those ones where you They probably of... went, oh, did you understand what he said? No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just let him off. It probably made sense. <laughs> it's one of those things where, you know, it's, it's, it's the ex-players sometimes have a very different view they have yeah, a bit yeah, more. Yeah. They are more likely to go down the common sense approach than the match review committee and the referees, who tend to, you know, be a bit more nitpicky. And it, look, it comes down to that thing: it, it, parking tickets. I once fought a parking ticket, and I wasted my. Was it after Troy Thompson had booked you? Probably. <laughs> and it was. It was. I don't know who it was. But actually, no, I did meet the guy who booked me in the court. I did. I did. He was just very tired and over the whole thing. Um, it wasn't Troy Thompson. I have to do this job. It's bad at the worst of times. Now I've got to come to court and talk yeah. about it. Um, but I wasted my breath arguing with the parking operations people about the rectitude of this thing because clearly what they booked my car for doing, there was no evidence that it was that. But when I got to the court, the court looked at it and just threw it out. And in, in that particular day, all the people are doing the same thing as me. Even the bloke who lost didn't have to pay the fine. They yeah, went, right. you know, like, you're wrong. I think you're wrong. But you know what? I, you've come here. You've made a case. I'm not going to fine you for it. So, you know, once you actually got to the court. But the lesson I learned was don't waste your breath arguing with the parking operations people. Don't waste your breath arguing with the match review panel. You're not going to get anything wrong at all. They're not going to stand down. Go talk to the judiciary. There yeah. are risks with it. I know they didn't fight Kotrick on the grounds that 
if they fought and lost, they lost another match and they really wanted him back for the Roosters. But yeah, I still think they should have. I, still I think thought they, they should have fought it as well. But um, that's that's their case um, to do that. And they thought about it seriously too. They really did investigate. They, they didn't just drop it. They looked at it seriously and made a good strategic decision. So we have to live with that. But yeah, look, that was uh, it was good that Elliot fought it. And um, for him not to be man of the match in that game really speaks volumes again of John Bateman because mm. Elliot Whitehead was magnificent. Um, but uh, there have been something that is potentially going to make you pretty angry, isn't there, Blake? So uh, we're going to come back to our segment, Blake on the Burst. We'll have to turn that down. Um, this <laughs> this is an interesting Blake on the Burst because it's, 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 I'm actually getting upset about something that hasn't even happened yet. Hasn't happened yet. No, Preempt bursting. It's, it's, it's a preemptive bursting, but, but following rugby league the way that I have over the years and yep. following the Canberra Raiders the way that I have over the years, you just can tell when something is going to happen. And I can just anticipate that because... We are now the masters of the one-on-one strip. Josh Hodgson is the supreme master, and then John Bateman's joined in as well. Um, I just know they'll change the rules, and they'll just go, no, this is this has gotten out of hand. And if any other club was doing it, if Cameron Smith was doing it, if the Brisbane Broncos had found a way to master this art, yeah. it'd be celebrated. Yeah. But yeah. it's because the Raiders are doing it, they'll they'll change the rules. Well, they haven't even started keeping the stat on it. No one's kept the stat on it, and it's become so prevalent with the Raiders that they're going to have to. But the other thing is too, um, with that, it's actually it's changed a few turns, a few matches for us. That strip, there's a couple we, we would have lost. It's huge. The one they'll change the rules for, you know, the the Bateman one we talked about before. That's just that's always going to be in the game. That's always going to be. But it's game. the the one where you have the three guys in the player, and then Josh and Hudson says drop off. Yeah. And then he just grabs the ball and roofs it out. That's the one I reckon they'll they'll pull up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I'm certain they should, and they maybe they should. But the thing is, it's in the rules now. Yeah. So as long as we can keep it? on going till the rest of the year, that'd be great. But I, I imagine every other team this week of training has been practicing it. Oh, look, Graham Annesley's the guy all over that, and he won't even tell any one of his refs to start sin-binning people. So he's unlikely to you know change a rule at this stage unless... The only way that rule will come out is if the Roosters or the Storm start screaming about it. You know? Yeah. And that that's it. If they start losing matches over things like that, if they start... If they have a loss to us, and let's hope they both do... Um, if they have losses to us and there's any sort of stuff whatsoever, yeah, they'll they'll. Well, Munster was doing a lot earlier in the season. And he's very he's, good at it. Yeah, I don't know if he's been doing as many since, but he was he was doing a lot earlier in the season. So, so you're on the burst about the one on yeah. strip. Well, yeah, it, it's preemptive burst. Now, I do want to take you back to last year where you ridiculed me. Other people openly ridiculed me openly ridiculed me for my prediction that we would win the grand final in 2019 because John Bateman was coming. Do you recall that? It wasn't because John Bateman was coming. Now you you're reinventing history. It was just you were just a blind like a blind zealot. A blind zealot. <laughs> a blind zealot. <laughs> you just sort of just you making, these, me, making these prophecies. You ridiculed me. I explained why it was going to happen. If I you said, say if you say the world's going to end every single day, well probably one day you'll be right. Yeah, yeah. You ridiculed me. And now it's actually a genuine possibility. But it wasn't on any. It wasn't. It wasn't any. You didn't really provide any. Solid you were hacking on my coach. I was you defending did. the coach. I said he was going to bring us a premiership. I said he was getting together the team, and you ridiculed me. And now we're a chance. All right. So I'm just saying to you, we might not win it this season, but you know what? Well, I don't think we will win it this season. Ultimate, as much as I'd love it, ultimately I don't think we'll win it this season. But I just hope that from the, what we've built on, 
this year, we mm. don't go backwards the way oh, we did yeah. in 2017. Totally, yeah. No, that that would, would be heartbreaking. That would be bad. Because uh, we was... thought the same thing in 2016. We're like, we've got the squad together. They're all coming to the right age. And they're all signed up until well, now, yeah. 2018, 2019. And uh, yeah, it was just, just to have those, obviously... But the window was definitely open. Yeah. And I, the, the well, it's cor- open again now. The, the, yeah, that's right. It's open now. The, the, the chorus of people calling for my man Ricky Stewart's head seemed to have quieted quite a bit. Yes. Uh, quite a lot. And, and you know, that's... We've, be- right. we've barely talked about Ricky on this, this podcast this year. And Whereas we, last year was pretty much all about him. We don't need to talk about Ricky. Ricky's doing his job. Ricky's the man we need to follow and have faith in. And which is what I've been saying the whole <laughs> damn time, is it not? It is. And I've been called a suck hole for that. <laughs> A suck hole, people. Anyway, there are, as we've going over, many, many reasons to be cheerful. Reasons to be cheerful. Part three. One, two, three. And uh, the first one, obviously, and we've already been through this again, is John Bateman. I mean, John Bateman is a reason to get up in the morning, really, isn't he? He is. He's, he's just he magnificent. Is. So another one for you, Johnny. We love you. Um, I'd also like to throw Josh Hodgson in there because when he does those one-on-one strips... My, he just fills my heart with pride and makes my eyes tear up. And he's just such a wonderful. He was great. Dude. He was great again. Oh, he, he was, was great, great again on against the Panthers. And again, you know, the difference of of, of how we look inside the opponent's twenty when he's there. Yeah, it's massive. It's unbelievable. He's got massive. so many strings to his bow. Whether he shapes for the kick, dummy yep. out the back, short, whatever it is. Oh, it's just options. He just, yeah, and to you quote got, my, you, my boss Tim Gable, options left and right. Yeah, and you got to keep defense in two minds. If the defense knows what you're going to do. It's very easy for them to close close you down. But. Oh, and there are six minds because he can do it himself. He can give it to Caesar. He can give it to White, and then he, you know, like he can give it to Chance. He can, you know, and Bateman can do something. And God, Louis scored on the six tackle the other day. You know, yeah. it's like it's ridiculous the options they've got because it's coming from everywhere. And what we said before was like it's coming from everywhere. Like there's no one on, you know, you talked about Oldfield being a journeyman, but he's holding his spot. And you saw the Panthers. They targeted Oldfield, they targeted Gula, and they targeted Horsburgh. They didn't target anybody else. Yeah. They didn't target anybody else. You know why? Because there was no point in it. You know, they, they, they looked at those three weaknesses. And when they didn't get through those three weaknesses, they lost the game. You know, and that James Maloney chip was brilliant. A try should be scored off chips that good. You know, and James Maloney oh, he that. couldn't defend against it. No, it was brilliant. It yeah, was absolutely wonderful. That, that that kick was good. Mind not... you, if the ball doesn't sit up, it rolls on. CNK gets it and was just as much chance of running straight past him and scoring. But uh, you know, like one more win and we're short of the finals. That's a great big um, reason for to be cheerful. But the last reason to be cheerful is this: we've just run three games on the trot without uh, Ryan Sutton, Hudson Young, Nick Kotrick, and Joey Lailua, and they're all coming back. They're all coming back, like immediate, like either this weekend or next weekend. You think Hudson Young is a chance of playing this weekend? He will play this weekend. Yeah, in uh, over Gula. Over Gula. Yeah, that's uh, what I or, think as be well. Almost certain of it. He he's he was. I talked to him on the sidelines of the West Tigers match, and he was jumping out of his skin, and he's up for it too. He's got a look in his eye. But I was talking to Ryan Sutton as well. He is a top dude. He's a really nice guy. He's awesome. What's so what's What's his injury? It was it was calf. Yeah, it was, something with calf. But they they've been careful with it. Yeah, because I think he, I think he strained it more than they they thought he did. But um, he's a really nice guy. The worst thing I found about Ryan Sutton so far is he's a Manchester United supporter. There you go. That's a bit disappointing, really. But there are many reasons to be cheerful, Blake. Anyway, we've uh, ranted at you for long enough. Uh, once more, you have been listening to uh, the third most popular Raiders podcast on the internet. Um, this is Raiders Review with Blake and the Pork. I am the Pork. I'm Blake. And we will rant at you again soon. 
Blake and the Bulldog. Blake and the Bulldog.